Hi, this is David Yaz of the Boston Podcast Network. We hope you are staying safe, sound, and sane as this year continues to drag on, and we do all that we have to do to get through this pandemic. Well, how about this? If you want to be on a Zoom call that isn't dreadfully boring, please join us for Zoomapalooza, an interactive adventure of fun, games, comedy, and who knows what else. Tickets are absolutely free, or hire us for your next office or corporate event. Just visit pod617.com slash Zoom. That's pod617.com slash Zoom. Now enjoy the following production of pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Past tens, a top ten time machine. Welcome back to Past Tens, a top ten time machine, the podcast where we go back in time. We pick the Billboard top ten hits for that day in history. And then we talk about the highs and the lows, what has held up, maybe what hasn't. My name is David Yes, but more importantly, he's getting cards and letters from people he don't even know. It's the Chartmeister, Michael Milt Wolf. Yeah. yeah. That's right, Dave. We are back. We, well, Good to we be are back. back. We are back. I'm, I am not in the Pod 617 studios today. We're doing a little uh, distance recording. I know I shouldn't admit that, but I do. We could have fooled them. Because yeah, of the, yeah. the, the high-tech expert staff here at Pod 617 has made it seamless. But, I am about uh, transparency, man. I, I want the people to know. Yes. Is that Speaking what, of the people, by the way. You are, about, you are about transparency. That's why you always get a sunburn at the beach. That's true. Yes, I am translucent. My whole family is. It's really disgusting, actually. <laughs> Slightly, But, yes. Dave, listen, I heard from several listeners last week. Yeah, with, cards with, and letters from people you don't even know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The, the two consistent themes. One, last week's episode, which took us back, I believe it was to 1982. That's right. Was People were saying was the best week of music we have ever presented on this podcast before. How about that? Wow. I yeah, know, and, right? And, and you could make a case. You talked me. Well, yeah. You talked me from a a BG's plus up to an Aerosmith minus for the week. That's right. You That's gave exactly it. right. So it was tremendous. Readers agreed. They might have gone straight A. The other common theme I heard is concern that I'm smoking too much, which <laughs> is ironic because I don't smoke. But do I have a smoker's voice? I don't think so. I think you have a, a nasal voice, but on the pleasant side of nasal. Well, no, which, no nasal is positive. Which, yeah, the worst porn movie ever created was The Pleasant Side of Nasal. <laughs> that didn't do well at all. No. Right? It's, no nasal that's... sex never took off, did it? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I just want to assure the, the public here, I am clean and healthy and smoke-free. I've, never, I've never seen you smoke a cigarette, ever. So the unless you're doing... occasional phlegm <laughs> may well, the, be concerning people, the, right? The phlegm is just another arrow in your quiver of comedy. That's you know? exactly right. Yeah. It's a constant. We yeah. just go back to it. But look, smoke-free, great music. I think we're ready to hit the time machine again. We should go back in time. Once again, let me just repeat our standards. Mm. You can find all of our past episodes anywhere you listen to on spot on podcasts, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Great reviews. Please keep leaving them. Mm. But you can also go to our website at www.timemachinepod.com to see all of our episodes, get links to everything, leave us reviews, email us. Sign up to be a time machine or the whole nine. Years, yeah, you do. Right? You do a fantastic job on the website. I'll give you just a small amount of credit before okay. I te- before I tear your spirit down, as happens on this <laughs> podcast. But but Milt puts up not just the links to the songs, but also you know we we unearth funny little like Saturday Night Live skits and other like moments on on video and audio. And 
Mill puts those All links up, up so it's a fun. It's to complete the journey. Go to the website. Yes, and Spotify playlists for each. Oh right, yeah, which is so. tremendous. If you like the week, you thought it was the best week ever. Yeah, add it to there your it Spotify library yes there you go. with all the additions in there as well so mm-hmm. thank you david when are you going to tear me down it's coming oh good here it comes jeez <laughs> but in know. the meantime yeah. let's do this again let's go back in time see where the time machine takes us we've been in the e- the 80s now i think for three straight weeks yeah i don't know if that's going to continue or not let's find out well the time machine is primed and lubed and do is it lubed yeah. it's ready to go come on milk let's go <laughs> Milt, the time machine has taken us back to the week of August 16th, 1975. All right. Yeah. Now, yeah. Okay, so enough with the 80s. We're, we're back to the 70s. I love I it. I like it. I love it. KC and the Sunshine Band here, just setting the mood. They don't happen to exactly. appear on this week's list. Yes, okay. They certainly did, though. This was oh, a yeah. top 10 hit in a big way. But yep. not this week. This week was different. Let's set some context. Okay. Other than the fact that I suppose a little bit earlier than this week back in 75, I turned seven years old. <laughs> happy, birth, happy birthday, Michael Miltwell. That really doesn't count. No. But let's do some uh, some real history for context. So, this week, that one ending August 16th, 1975, the very first NFL game was played in the Louisiana Superdome. Okay. Them. The Houston somebodies, I guess back then it was it was not the Texans, the Oilers, right? Well, sure, yeah. But yeah, Houston, the Houston Oilers, Oilers. Yeah, 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 the sure. Saints, 13-7 to in that first Superdome game. Yeah, the Saints used to suck with Archie Manning and stuff, and they just, they just lost. And then, of course, that's the same stadium that got ravaged by Katrina Whacked. and then miraculously yeah. saved, yeah. Yeah, my daughter's heading down to New Orleans on Sunday to begin her junior year in college. Gotta love me some Orleans. I'm sure there's nothing to worry about down there. Not at all. <laughs> Everything's exactly the same. Yeah, sure. This week, Peter Gabriel, music news, Peter Gabriel quit Genesis. Oh, and right. things were never the same. Yeah, yeah. Right. This is one, one of, of the, the most true that's, examples. It worked out for both of them. That's right. I was going to say. it does. Right? That does not happen that often, right? No, not yeah. at all. Usually there's a winner and a loser. The person that regrets it or the band that regrets it. Nope. Worked out for both of them. And, work, and later worked out for solo Phil Collins as well. But In other uh, music news, and I know this devastated you when you were seven, Russian composer Dmitry Shostakovich died. Shosty? Oh, <laughs> wait, I hadn't heard. Oh, God. Just found out about this? Yeah. Just like I also, <laughs> I also, I also just found about over the weekend... My uh, sainted Aunt Martha said to me, I wish I could go on that cameo thing when you get the celebrity thing. You pay a yeah. little. She said, haven't done that yet. Yeah, well, we there are some Red Sox players, and she's like me, a Sox fan. And she says, I wish I could get Carlton Fisk. And I said, well, why can't you? She said, no, because he died. And so me, what? Not, me not wanting to look stupid said, oh, yeah, I forgot he died. That's too bad. And he then I died. Well, then I get a link, a text from my cousin the next day saying, by the way, Carlton Fisk is fine. <laughs> he's, I, I, I don't even think he's ill. No, I think he's fine. <laughs> Let's talk about some happy birthdays, some fairly big ones that I think we know a little bit more than the Shostakovich catalog. <laughs> Let's wish a happy birthday to Charlize Theron. Ooh, yeah. Born August 7th. Well, actually, we missed it a little bit by a few days, but Charlize Theron was born August 7th, 1975. In South Africa, right? Was that where she was born? I believe so. Eh, eh, yes, whatever. I believe so. She's pretty. <laughs> and a damn fine actress. 
And pretty. also pretty and a damn fine actor, Casey Affleck was born on August 12th, 1975. Yeah. Casey Affleck and Charlize Theron do not seem like they're the same age. I guess Casey seems younger because he's kind of diminutive, right? Correct. Yeah. Casey always seems like the younger brother, right? But but Boston, Boston native. By the way, you know, I think he was nominated for an Oscar for Manchester by the Sea. And, he was. He won. Yeah. Okay. And that's right. I remember he got up there and all that. And the, you know how we call out errors on our podcast kind of after the fact? Yeah. On Bill Simmons' podcast, which you and I both, both love, the rewatchables, Casey Affleck came up and, no, no, Boston movies came up and they were like, this Boston movie, that Boston movie, and someone's, and someone said, oh, well, what, what town did, did Manchester by the Sea take place in? And Bill Simmons <laughs> says, oh, I don't know. Manchester by the Sea is the name of the town. <laughs> Shame on you, Bill Simmons. Anyway. That's a shame. Yeah, no excuse for that. All right, Dave, number one movie of the month, or the week, I should say. Also a classic Boston film. Jaws? Jaws! Yeah. Well, Martha's Vineyard. It's not even close to Boston. (laughs) No, no, it's not. But I don't even think it's... Is it Martha's Vineyard? Yeah, they shot it on Martha's Vineyard. You can go take the Jaws tour, and you can jump off that little bridge that they uh, featured in the the film. Yes. That movie seems so old, and it actually is. But that that holds. It's kind of had a renaissance for some reason, and it holds up just as good as oh, any. Oh, for sure. It, no, Spiel, no, Spielberg's kind of his, first real his. breakthrough, yeah. And the number one TV show was a rerun of Nash. Like when this was a time when reruns actually could be the number one show on television, which is kind of crazy. But Jaws, Mash, the Houston Oilers, Shostakovich. I'm giving you context here, right? Yeah, that's seventy-five right there. Yeah, the the, the millennials that are listening to this podcast are like. Number one, how could a rerun be the the top show of the week? And by the way, what's a rerun? <laughs> we were that's a very good point. We were desperate. You know, I know. you had your four channels, and if something even remotely interesting was on, you watched it, even if you had seen it already. Yeah, this explains how shitty shows were popular. It was just what you were given, and you just took it. You know, <laughs> you took it. The Brady Bunch. You know, I mean, come on. Anyway. How dare you? Well, it, it's it's so part of our childhood, but is it, is it truly a good show? You know what? This is perfect context, because okay. I think what we really need to do is get into the music, but I think we'll find the beginning of the uh, countdown applies directly to what you're just saying. Oh. How about that? Let's find out, shall we? Let's get back in the machine and get the top 10 songs of the week. Here we go. Number 10. See what I mean? This is great. Yeah, and by the way, <laughs> we, we don't have to go through that awkward moment where we're waiting for the lead singer to sing, because I, th- I think he's not going to. Yeah, we're not cutting to the chorus anytime soon. Right. I still want to hear those synths a little more. Turn it yeah. That's on um, what a sound, right? Right. Yeah. You know, it, it shouldn't be good, and yet it's kind of great. It's- and you know immediately where it comes from. Although, obviously, you have to be a child of the 70s. Yeah, but it's so enjoyable to listen to those synth tones as compared to a lot of the synth of the pop songs of the 80s, which are just, like, tired and mechanical. You know what I mean? Well, and, they, and he sort of mixes in this bluegrass thing. But we should say what this is, oh, yeah. of course, because you may not know that. Yeah. This is The Rockford Files, mm. a gentleman by the name of Mike Post, he who is a... Um, producer, television composer, etc., who had three top 10 hits. This was the first one. Mm. We'll get to that in a minute. But this, of course, was the theme to The Rockford Files, which I don't 
think I watched much when I was younger. I think I was too young for the Rockford Files. You? Uh, same with me, but it's one of those shows that you absolutely knew about as its existence, much like maybe Ironside and Columbo and some of these other shows, which you might have caught an episode here or there, but yeah, it was kind of just before our time. James Dang Garner, the, the, the very James handsome Garner. James Garner was the, yeah. was, uh, ran, the, Mar- the Rockford guy. He was a private investigator, and it ran for six seasons, yeah. plus a bunch of TV movies later. This was another era where when shows got canceled, they kept making movies about them just to keep it alive in some weird way, and he was, I think, in all of them. But um, Mike Post was a songwriter and a producer before this that actually produced that Kenny Rogers song that I know you love, that that. Condition song. Remember Kenny Rogers? In the oh, yeah. About that? Yeah. His, he his, produced it. his rare departure into psychedelic, uh, you know, yeah, I just checked in to see what the condition was or whatever that is featured in the, the Big Lebowski. My condition was in. Yeah, I dig that song. Yeah. Right. He also later went on to produce Dolly Parton's Nine to Five. Mm. And get this, he produced the Van Halen Three record, the one with that horrible singer from Extreme. Do you know what I'm talking about? Gary Sharon. The era in which, exactly, the era which Van Halen fans want to pretend never happened. Boston guy, by the way. Gary oh, Sharon. he is? I yeah, Extreme that. was a Boston band. We're not that proud of them. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. Anyway, Mike Post was friends with TV creator Stephen Cannell. I think it's Cannell. It might be Cannell, but famous television producer. And he asked him to write this with an older guy by the name of Pete Carpenter who decided, I'm too old to be included on this it's going to make the song look less cool if i'm involved so mike post took lead role on that kind of nice right and it was considered really really edgy for tv at the time that that mini moog synthesizer i think this is one of the first times it was ever used on a hit single Mm -hmm. which is crazy right Mm because it's that sound is everywhere now like you said right Uh, but back then it was brand new and it won a grammy for best instrumental but you know, for a minute, let's pay some tribute to Mike Post because mm. this was his first big television hit. He had dozens more. Do you want to play a few of these for us, Dave? All right, here's one. Now, we oh, talked about this one already yes. on the countdown, right? Favorite of he the pod. The theme from Greatest American Hero. That's right. Believe it or not. I believe it. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. What else did he play? What else? Produce? What else? Oh, well, this one. I'm asking you. You recognize this? Yeah. Although I think this might be a cover version of it, so to speak. But hold on. Is let's it? listen. Hold on. Oh, it might be. Maybe. Is that the real one? I don't know. Do you want to hear the real one? Nah, it's Hill Street Blues. Right, That's good. Hill Street Everybody Blues. gets that, right? Fond, Keep going. What yeah, else did he do? Yeah. Make? Well, fond memories of that show, man. That was one of my favorites. You like For that sure. show, right? Yeah. Okay. How Damn about right. this one? Oh, boy. That's... You know, we mentioned Jaws already, and the Jaws theme song was that, of course. And I always thought it was genius because the the it's two chords, really. The whole song is just two chords. And this Law & Order theme, it's the two sounds that you hear at the beginning that make it so memorable, right? It's the right. da-dum. All you have to hear That's is all the you da-dum. Need. Right, right. But don't stop there. Give me more. All right, you got it. What's this, Dave? You know? Well, I'm looking at the screen, so yeah. But it's the oh. theme from Magnum P.I. Get your Detroit exactly. Tigers hat and your mustache exactly. on. Yeah. Maybe one more. I mean, this is showing you Mike Post's career. All it's over unbelievable. The place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There it is. All right. That's 80. 
just that's the theme, you the in the theme face. from LA Law. Uh, you probably remember our mutual fraternity brother Howie once a week screaming LA Law, LA Law, it's time for LA Law. <laughs> Never liked that show, but everybody what? else. Loved it's it, the so. reason why I went to law school, which uh, Ooh, which didn't work out. No, it's all you need to know. No, I graduated. Give me a break. It was fine. <laughs> anyway, but regardless, yep. Mike Post, Rockford Files is a great song. I love it. Yep. I don't hear it all that much, but you gotta tap. Tip your cap to Mike Post. Big time. What an incredible composer. And, Unbelievable. And you know what? He's in my category. He's in this pantheon that I call list of one. I just realized it. You say TV theme song. You, you should think you should think Mike Post. For example, if I say professional dare, daredevil, who do you think of? Evil. That's right. If I say epic movie conductor composer. Bugs Bunny. The composer, the guy who the guy who's most famous for writing movie themes. Oh my God, you're terrible! It's John Williams. Oh, well, why did you say it? I'm trying, trying to make to a think, point I'm trying here. Trying to crack you up. <laughs> well, you're getting me pissed off instead. Uh, okay. Anyway, so what I'm what I'm saying is that's him, right? Is there anyone that's more him. prolific? Not that I know of. Maybe there is, but not that I know. No, he's the okay. man. Yep, continues to be the man. Yep. Great start to the countdown. I love it. But let's get back in the machine. Okay. Number nine. Oh boy. Change, change, change of pace. Whatever it is, it'll keep till the morning. Haven't we both got better things to do? As a matter of fact, looking at each other. Well, she said we have better things to do. Uh, Actually, yes. That's the title of the song. I'm sorry. I sort of stepped on it a little bit, but this is Midnight Blue by Melissa Manchester. Mm. The first of three top 10 hits for her. It's number nine here, but we'll peak at number six. Um, is this where she sings the chorus? I'm not sure. Yes. Wait up. One more time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the only reason I remember this song is for a different reason, which we will discuss later in exactly. the pod. Exactly. I was about to say the same thing. It's the, only, the reason. only reason I know this song, but anyway. It's a, that's a teaser. Don't worry. We'll get back to it. We'll get to it. Manchester was from a Jewish family in the Bronx, actually. Uh. Her dad, I know, her dad played bassoon in the New York Metropolitan Opera, and her mom was one of the first women to own her own clothing company. So the Manchesters were hitting it. What's What was the dad's name? You have that there? I don't have it. Oh, okay. Mr. Manchester. Well, this is why occasionally Jewish people are thought of as not the coolest in the world. It's like, what are you going to play, Jimmy? I think I'm going to play the guitar. What are you going to play, Herschel? I, I think I will play the bassoon. <laughs> that limits your uh, potential a little bit. Yeah, you, it? you don't get laid playing the bassoon. <laughs> but listen to her background. She went to school with Paul Simon, was okay. discovered by Barry Manilow, and was a backup singer for Bette Midler all before she became a star. Mm. And eventually she got noticed, right? They put a demo of this song together that was meant for Dionne Warwick. But when the producer heard Melissa Manchester sing it, they were like, well, why don't you put it out? And it, also, it started launched a crew. It also does sound kind of Dionne Warwick-y, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. You could Which hear is probably her why I don't like it. <laughs> okay. But listen, this was a big enough hit that George Harrison had written a song called Midnight Blue and had to retitle it. Before it was released, because it was he was concerned it was going to get confused with it. Right, 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 right. It's but funny. It I says I, I'm reading a little up on her, and she, yeah, you, like you said, 
background Jewish family. I'm thinking Manchester was actually like Manischewitz or something. She changed it, but there's no evidence of that. So. I don't think so. Oh. Well, I don't know for sure. Everything happens in Ellis Island. You have no idea. Uh, well, they just true. changed it. Right. Anyway, um, I don't love the song. You're right. The only reason I can think of it is because of another 70s reference, which we'll get to in a minute. Right. But I never hear this. I came very close to listing that as a um, never heard of it. As as a as a uh, as one of those things that just. Oh, wait, I would have. To, sorry. <laughs> the product. Jimmy. Jimmy, the Jimmy. Intern, Jimmy intern wasn't ready for that sound cue. But as well, I as I as I like to say, we pay for these jingles, so never heard of it. Okay, but I have because she starts to sing the chorus and it triggered something. But it it is what it is. It is what it is. By the way, Midnight Blue became an official Crayola color in 1958. Oh, okay. <laughs> Nothing. Have I just opened your eyes? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Do you like this? No, I don't. I don't. Neither do I. No. It's, it's Sorry, the Melissa. only thing I can say is it's mem- it's somewhat memorable, but that doesn't make it good. I think she can sing. I think she's got a nice voice, but you know, she can go sit at the end of the bar with Ann Murray and Karen Carpenter and I don't need to hear you guys. Yeah, the early 70s has some very soft music that yeah. can be sappy and poor, but can also be done well. As per, huh? What we're going to find back in the machine. Oh my god, it's a teaser. Let's do it. Number eight. How sweet it is to be loved by you. How sweet it is to be loved by you. I mean, that makes it easy for us, right? Yes. Pretty sure he said the sweet, sweet voice of JT. Mm. So, yes, Dave, this is how sweet it is. Parentheses. To be loved by you. At two, at two, James Taylor. <laughs> I know. Well, it wasn't really him, because as you know, well, first of all, this was James Taylor's third top 10 solo hit. Number eight here will peak at number five. He actually only had one more top 10 after this. He was not a top 10 artist. I think he was, Do you know what it was? Sort of just on the edges. Do you know what the oh, other what? one was? I don't know. Oh, Get what the, the, the next one was? Yeah. I don't have it in front of me. I would guess Fire and Rain, maybe? No, that was his first, I think. That's oh no, it must old. it must be the stupid friend one. That you know, uh, you've got a friend. Is, wasn't that oh, a huge hit? Like me? Oh, yeah, whatever. It's not stupid. It was a good one. The, but <laughs> like you've got a friend. This was a remake. Also, this was a remake of a Marvin Gaye classic song. Oh. That song was a top ten hit. Also, it right. peaked at number six. So actually, James Taylor, when it peaks at five, surpasses Marvin Gaye, which is just whoa! Can't do that. Sacrilegious, yes. And it's this is a Holland Dozier Holland song, who we've talked about many, many times. And actually, the lyrics were apparently inspired by Jackie Gleason, that one of his trademarks on the Jackie Gleason show was to say how sweet it is. So Holland Dozier Holland wrote a song all about incorporating that. Weird, right? Yes. If you'll entertain a 20-second parenthesis, the family guy lampooned the Jackie Gleason show once. And he came out. The joke was always the the wife was driving him up the wall, like to the moon. What was her name? To the to the moon. Well, oh, that was the honeymoon, right? Isn't that the same guy? Yeah. Well, Jack- yeah. Jackie Gleason show is a different. Oh, show. oh right, right, right. The honeymooners. I'll finish the joke anyways. But on the Family Guy, as as it falsely recounts the this episode of the honeymoon, he gets pissed off, smacks her over the head with a frying pan, and she 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 lies prone and bleeding, and he he quietly walks away, <laughs> <laughs> which is appropriate, like you know. Yeah, that's really funny then. It wasn't it? that far off, right? Exactly. Do you know who sings backup on this song? 
Can you tell? Is it male or female? Female. I'll just take an educated guess and say Carly Simon. Well done. Really? Well done. They were they were married then, and so Oops. she's saying back up on this. No, that's the wrong. There you I go. Know. There we go. We got it. better. Actually, this is kind of funny. ESPN got in trouble once for using this this song in a Father's Day clip, which mm. was about athletes and their kids. Mm-hmm. But Marvin Gaye, who was the original, you know, yep. person, he was shot by his dad. So using oh, this right. song, oh. what a great thing! <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, no. by the way, I know more than you. Do tell. So, Dave, researchers in 2013 proved that positive emotions like love heighten the senses. And that's, listen to this. So they mm-hmm. did an experiment. Students drank water, literally regular water. Mm-hmm. Those that were thinking about love said they tasted more sweetness in the water than those who didn't, even though both control groups were drinking just regular water. Interesting. That's why they always say the secret ingredient is love. You know. Love you, man. <laughs> what? Uh, the the Zoom connection is going out. I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> I, li- yes. I I like this song. I don't I, know about you. I, actually, I always have. Yeah, it's actually my favorite James Taylor song. Maybe really? maybe the only song that I that I really enjoy re-listening. I'm just not a JT guy. I get it. I get why people like him. It's just not my bag. But I like the you, way usually people's opinions about James Taylor change when they see him live. Now he's older now, so it might not be the same thing. But I remember going to see a James Taylor concert in the '80s expecting just a boring folk musician they rocked they had a great band it was soulful it was deep it was powerful it was bluesy i loved it yeah i saw him i wasn't impressed Ooh. then again i saw him in an outdoor venue it was raining and everybody was miserable fire um, rain baby yeah not so much fire too much rain i don't know he's just not me but whatever don't don't hate me you jt lovers i respect the man he's a new england guy i should love him anyway really yeah stockbridge from boston that's right from stockbridge to boston all right. All well, right. that's good. We're good. Let's get back in the machine. All right, man. Number seven. Did you like miss hit the keyboard there for a second in that intro? Yeah, it sounded like it. Let's hear that again. Did they? Did he hit the wrong key? We ask you people. It sounds before like it. Before Play we it tell again. you what song it is, just listen. Clean up your act, War. Just keep going. Just right. keep going, War. <laughs> keep going. You probably don't want to wait for the chorus, yeah. right? Yeah. Now we don't. And they're going to repeat it about a billion times. Right. This, of course, is Why Can't We Be Friends? Mm-hmm. Question mark by War, which seems like they're incongruous, but that's the point, right? Yeah. Here it comes. Is they saying it right now? This might be the most repeated title in the history of pop music. They've already said it four times. (laughs) Right, exactly. This was not their first hit. This was the fifth of seven top ten hits for war. We actually talked about one of them before when we did a 1972 show that was about the world as a ghetto. This was a bigger song. It's seven here, peaks at number six, but has longevity and ends up finishing 75 as the number 23 song of the year. So it was a really big, big, big hit. Yeah. No, it's a keeper. Yeah. It's, and it's, look, it's the the flow of the song is the same. Each band member of War sings two verse lines before the chorus gets repeated, and it goes over and over and over again. War, 
started as a band with only black musicians, but eventually integrated. And this song is about moving beyond racism and things like that. Well, the black, the black, the the, uh, the black dudes got tired of singing the same line over and over and fucking over again. And so they needed some. Well, it's funny you say that because when we get to the two minute mark, I think it's at two twenty six. Mm-hmm. They let the harmonica player have a shot. Mm-hmm. He was from Denmark and was just learning English. Mm-hmm. So what he says is, sometimes I don't speak right, but yet I know what I'm talking about. Why can't we be friends? Maybe you could even jump to that. Part. <laughs> yeah, here it is. Sometimes I don't speak right, right. but yet I know what I'm talking about. Now, That's right weird. in the back. I don't never, really rhyme. Yeah, so I never noticed that. Work. Yeah, that's funny. But he doesn't speak English, so he did a pretty good <laughs> job. Don't you think? That's funny. I never knew that. And like it works in kind of a kind of a Ringo Starr singing off key kind of way. You know, like you it's, it. it's, it's lovable, endearing. right? And that's why this song works in a way. I mean, let's face it; it could be a simpler construction, right? But mm-hmm. it is infectious. There's something about the way that they're singing to each other. And the hook of the chorus bores into your brain. Right. Yeah, no. I loved it. I I like it. I I think it holds up nicely. And it's it's what I'd call a useful song. Like, it played whenever you want to play a friendship song. And it's it's been in some movies. I can't remember exactly what. But I want to say it was in, like, one of the Scooby-Doo movies or something. Um, it feels like yeah. it would be used right. like over and over again just to sort of make a, a emotional point, right? right? It works. Yeah, it works. War. We talked about this last time. War sneaks up on you. You right. look at their catalog and you think, oh, War was just sort of a whatever band, and then you play their songs and you kind of remember how great they were. But it took a long time, I think, for people to recognize it. They're not thought of as a great band. You're right. Their catalog outpaces their reputation, if that makes sense. Here's a question I have for you. Did the name, is it possible the name of the band kind of hurt their success? So wait, like, do you know why they were called War? I yeah, mean, so I, I think it was meant almost sarcastically, but they were founded as a band that was all supposed to be about brotherhood and harmony. Their goal was to sort of um, promote brotherhood and things like that. So by naming themselves War, I think they were sort of saying the opposite. Yeah, they're really saying anti-war. And in fact, I'm looking at one story about them, and it says at one point, like in the early days of the band, most of the original members went off to Vietnam. So that I'd like to know more about that backstory. Oh, but maybe that has something to do with that. Now it gets interesting. But look, yeah. we've got seven war songs in the top ten, so we're going to come back to war. All right. Milt, do you know what time it is? I do not. What it, time is it? It's time for Milton Day's play date. Yeah. Hey. Now... This is exciting, Milt, because as we do on the play date, first of all, we encourage our listeners to play along at home. <laughs> you get it? <laughs> yeah. And so it a play date. I quiz Milt on songs relating to the song we just heard. So we heard Why Can't We Be Friends? So I have assembled five songs that have to do with friendship. And actually, Milt, mm. these these songs come from Oprah Magazine's uh, top top 30 songs about friendship. With your, wow, your the former... soon-to-be-demised Oprah magazine, actually. They just announced their folding right? in December. I know, it's tragic. Once you left, it all went downhill. You were there. Yeah, exactly, that's exactly right. Yeah, Michael Wolf, then Oprah, then everyone else. <laughs> did you ever meet her, by the way? Yeah, a bunch of times. Oh, She's you did? 20. Really? She was great. I never, anyway, I gotta continue. All right, fine. All right, so now this is exciting because we're going to play it a little bit differently. Milt has to guess the, the songs. What we're going to do is do it secret password style, you know, the password is and so mm-hmm. what i have to do is give milt we can, we're going to work together on this milt we're going i'm going to give you up to three clues for each song and i can only say one word 
And, and gotcha. It, and it can't okay, be, I'm with you. This, and the and the word I give you as a clue can't be in the song, and it can't be the name of the artist. Okay. All right. Understood. Songs about friendship. The clue. The first clue is Chandler. Hmm. So it's uh, Friends. Obviously, is it the theme from Friends? There it is. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, the Rembrandts. I'll be there for you. Of that course. Is correct. Yeah. You, so. you let me off the hook. I didn't have to say the name of it. You helped me out there. Ah, yeah. You, you, oops. We give you the, the <laughs> ding. That's the second time I've done that. Too. Okay. Thank you. Here is your next song and your next one word clue. The clue is elderly. Elderly? Mm-hmm. What the heck does that mean? This isn't like a leader of the band kind of thing where it's like you're... No, because that's not friendship. No. Okay. That, that's just the first clue. You get up to three. Okay. Give me another. Theme. So you got elderly and then theme. So it's a theme song from a movie about old people or possibly a TV show. Hmm. But old friends. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is it the Golden Girls? There you go. All right. Thank you for being a friend. I dig it. Yeah. Uh, Once again, I let you off the hook without the name. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I would have gotten it. I was. Yeah. Okay. Two for two. The next, uh, the next one. Uh, okay, okay, Dave. Think, 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 think. Buzz. The clue is buzz. Toy Story. Wow. There it is. They're all they're all theme songs. I, I know, like that, it. that was not that was not intentional, but well done. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Thank you, Randy. Two remain. They get harder. All right. Ooh. Uh Hmm. The clue is cover. Oh, that's that's a little too broad for me, sir. I know. Um, Give me a second. It's a cover version. Cover. Blinded by the Light Hold on. by Manfred Mann. Rarity. Cover. Rarity. I need the third. And the third one is shoulder. These are Leave terrible. Leave on me. Oh, my God. I got it. <laughs> You didn't think I was going to get it, did you? I did not, because I thought my clues sucked. So that's lean on me. Shoulder did it. Shoulder did it. I should have started with shoulder, because the only reason yeah. I did the others, because we had talked about the fact that there were a, a very short list of songs that had hit number one, uh, original and remake, and and that was one of them, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, well okay. done, Dave. That's a good one. All right. This last one? This last one is hard. Uh, okay. This is a riveting podcast. Rainbow. Rainbow is the first clue. Die with your boots on by Iron Maiden. No, no. The next clue is Albano. Albano. Oh, this is uh, Cindy Lauper with with um, you know, girls just want to have fun. <laughs> what is it? It's about friendship. And think about the first clue, you moron. Rainbow. Oh, girls are friends. Rainbow. Oh, true oh, colors. That's right. Oh, is it? Yes, yes. Which is was hard because. Well, Lou Albano isn't really this song, but it's the artist clue you were trying to give me, right? Oh, because he was in the video for that song, yeah. So, Girls, okay. Which is also about yeah. friendship. Uh, so I think yeah. I'm right. You're wrong. No, you're wrong. It, Has uh, anyone ever turned the tables on the game show host and said, hey? You're not no. to do that, you? <laughs> no, well, you're not going to be the first, so stop it. But well done. Good, well, good, good, good on you. It. That's good pretty, pretty good. Play. I think, what do you think? We keep that format? I got to have my clues ready to go beforehand because those pregnant pauses. Well, are, we'll uh, play with that as yep. we move forward. Right. But anyway, more importantly, let's get back in the machine. Okay, let's do it right now. 
number six. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 70s classic. Mm-hmm. I've been walking these streets so long. Yeah! Singing the same old song. I know every crack in these dirty sidewalks. Jimmy! Give me my hat! The one with the big brim. <laughs> Jimmy, give me Black my spurs. You want to start to talk about this? Uh, yeah, you okay. can't help it. I don't know. I smile when I hear this. Song. Oh, yeah. You know, of course, this is Glenn Campbell's Rhinestone Cowboy. The, one of five top ten hits for them. It's number six here, but we'll hit number one. Mm-hmm. And I think we're about to hit the chorus. Am I right, Dave? I hope so. Do it! Like a rhinestone cowboy Riding on a horse in a star-spangled rodeo I mean, this is crazy. By the way, when this hits number one, Mm -hmm. this was the first time that a song was number one on both the country and pop charts at the same time in something like 14 years. Interesting. And it finishes 1975 as the number two song of the year. Number two. Too, yeah. which is crazy but yeah. it makes perfect sense i mean this is legendary it was nominated for a record of the year lost to uh captain Tennille's love will keep us together mm. which we missed on this countdown i think it was a few weeks before so we're not, uh, not right. yet not yet <laughs> yeah anyway so glenn campbell by the way he was from pike county arkansas and he was get this he was the seventh of 12 kids that wow. lived on a farm with no electricity Holy i mean cow. we're complaining that we had a blackout here in connecticut for like 48 hours yeah Glad you got the power back, brother. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Glenn had it a little rougher, though, no doubt. Yeah. But he became a musician, and he was actually, before he became famous, he was a session musician that worked as a part of the Wrecking Crew. Remember, we talked about the Wrecking Crew a bunch of times. I noticed that because I, I recently started watching the Wrecking Crew documentary, which right. is, which is, and all of a sudden I see this guy, and I'm like, wait a minute, is that Glenn Campbell? I had to, like, re- rewind, that and that was him, yeah, yeah. He even played guitar on the Beach Boys' Pet Sounds, which is crazy. But Mm. anyway, he gets noticed because he's a really good-looking guy. He's got charisma, whatever, becomes a star. Even has his own weekly variety show, The Glenn Campbell Show, which ran from 68 to Mm. 71. It's actually The Glenn Campbell Good Time Hour is what it's called. (laughs) Which is just talking about good old boy. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Steve Martin and Rob Reiner actually wrote for that show. So it became a bit of a launching pad, which is nuts. But anyway... The show gets canceled in 71. He hasn't had a hit for years. Mm. Here's this song, Rhinestone Cowboy, recorded by somebody else, a guy named Larry Weiss, Mm. and rushes to the studio to show his producer, hey, I found this song. I think I should produce it. And before he can finish, his producer says, listen, I found a song. You absolutely need to hear this and record this. Right. They were both the same song. They Mm. had both found Rhinestone Cowboy. Holy shit. This is obviously meant to be. Records it gigantic hit. gigantic yeah. Hit. yeah i don't know if you're um, gonna get to this but have you seen the glenn campbell documentary no i'm dying to because i heard it's actually excellent it's excellent excellent it? yeah combination of interesting poignant and heartbreaking at times but an absolute must see yeah i mean he, i mean it, it, was, it was made after he died right? he was diagnosed with alzheimer's right. and he passed away in 2017 do they talk about that oh of course that's yeah, the most most compellingly you see footage of glenn campbell going on stage and performing when well, i don't want to give it away totally but let's just say it was uh 
Herculean effort for him just to get on stage and perform, given the state he was in. And it's just fascinating. Oh, man. And yeah. he still pushes. But it's it. still, it's it's good. It's it's ultimately inspirational. Like, like, I didn't think I would wake up that day thinking I'd be inspired by Glenn Campbell. But when I watched that thing, yeah, watch it. Everybody watch it. I think it's called I Am Glenn Campbell. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, two bad things came out of this song. Oh. One was the movie Rhinestone. Do you remember seeing that movie? Oh, God. that's where that came from? Yeah, Sly I guess Stallone and Dolly Parton it was inspired by this film because right. it's about a guy, you know, who becomes an accidental country singer kind of thing. It was based on a Did you see it? No. I remember yeah, seeing that, it. Maybe it was, parts of it. Yeah. It was one of those videos I saw one day and it was just horrendous. <laughs> truly yeah. truly horrendous. Yeah. Mind-bogglingly awful. Right. Um and the other thing of course is Bad remake. Take cover. I feel like I pick on the Philippines a little bit too much, but look, when you come out with a song called Kawawang Cowboy, Mr. Fred Pinopio deserves a little shame, but hit it! emphatic right we should note here that much of the creative energy of this podcast is driven by milt's intense hatred of immigrants <laughs> no i'm just kidding i'm kidding but that is pretty funny that's pretty funny there's something oh it gets even hilarious. worse i wish we could get to the uh to the course here it is Dude, that almost sounds like he's joking Nope. I think he was apparently a big star, but that, you know, oh, Kawawang Cowboy sorry, just Fred. doesn't have the same bite to me. Right. Agreed. Anyway, anyway, do you know also, by the way, the world's biggest rhinestone weighs 50 pounds and is at the Liberace Museum in Las Vegas? I think that's right where it belongs. Liberace. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you, Glenn. We miss you. I can't wait to see that doc, by the way. I also, by the way, just watched the uh, Go-Go's documentary on Showtime, which is excellent, too. So, me, too. Another. Could yeah. give a, give the audience your 15 seconds of reaction to that? I liked um, seeing the evolution from sort of punky, underground, garbage bag wearing band to pop superstars. And it's sort of a seamless transition. But like the sort of classic behind the music sort of things, they fall apart. But right. figure out a way to work it out later in life. Yeah, and blah, blah, blah. absolutely worth good. watching. It, it's it's mildly underwhelming in that there aren't any big surprises per se, oh, yeah. but still cool. The foot, the, there's a lot of good footage of them back when blah, blah, blah. And also something that we, if you listen to this podcast, you had a preview because they, the original version of we got the beat was punky and they cover that. And we played it. it. We we're did. ahead of the game, man. That's we're right. ahead of the game. That's right. Well, let's get ahead of the countdown. Let's get back in the machine. All right. Number I wonder what this song is called. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. This song to me is an example of a song I thought I liked more until I listened to it again. <laughs> Till today. <laughs> and then realized I don't like it at all. I think. But anyway. Yes, Dave. This yeah, no, is, uh, uh, yeah. Sorry. I know you're going to tell us what it's called. I think the, the beginning of the song is kind of cool and memorable. And maybe after that, not so much. Go ahead. Tell right, us. Right. Totally. Yeah. This is Fallen in Love with an Apop. Apostrophe, falling. They drop the G. Falling. Yep. Why bother? Falling in love. 
This is by a band with the worst band name in the history of American music. Do tell Their name is Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds. (laughs) Now, there's a bunch of different reasons why this is terrible. First of all, let's start by saying this number five here. It's the second of their two top ten hits. Their first hit was better. Um, Their first hit was Don't Pull Your Love. You remember that? Don't pull your love down on you, honey. Yeah, right. They say don't pull your love. Eventually, you will grow hair on your on your hands, and you'll you'll go blind. Yeah. This song right. hits number one, which is insane to me. But anyway, the band was originally named, but the three it was a trio named Dan Hamilton, Joe Frank Carollo, and Tommy Reynolds. Mm. Now, so it's one guy's last name, the next guy's first and middle name, and then the third guy's last name again. This is one thing I always say about art, whether it's literature, movies, anything. You can be bad, you can be good, you can be weak, you can be untalented. Just don't be fucking confusing. It's confusing. Why is it called Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds? And to get even worse, Tom Reynolds was no longer even in the band anymore. He had left before this even came out. But the record label that signed him said, well, you guys have a name, so we can't change that. So some poor guy joins the band to replace him. But they won't let him have the name. So it's still Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds. Also, a disservice to our mutual friend, Tom Reynolds, who we went to Penn with. That's actually a good point. Yeah. Good point. The original band, they, they were originally called the T-Bones that had a big instrumental hit in the 60s, I think, that was based on an Alka-Seltzer ad mm. called No Matter What Shape Your Stomach's In. That's my kind of song. Wow. Hey, not that this matters, but are these black dudes? No. No, oh, they're all white? Okay. Not. All right white guys and one of them i think might be british or whatever now there's two things that i love about this song first of all you may actually hear a note of this Mm -hmm. that drake's very first hit was a song called best i ever had do you have a link to this play it oh yeah thinking my songs are about them this is not to get confused this one's for you baby you my everything yeah, I mean, maybe that's the, why. His, maybe that's why I like it because I, I like this song. This you remember good. it now? Hamilton, right. Joe, Frank, and Reynolds record label sued Drake for this because he did not credit them. Yeah. I don't know what happened, but there was a big copyright infringement thing here. Right. But I am definitely not the first person to think of this name as being confusing. I want you to go play a clip from. Do you remember Mystery Science Three Thousand? Of course. Yeah, the, remember it was, that? It was, yeah, it was, it was. Go ahead, you say. It was a guy and two robots watching bad movies and kind of making fun of them, like old movies, right? Exactly. And it was it was some popular. Reason, it was kind of a cult sensation. The show, yeah, for sure. For some reason, they decided to look at this band. So play that clip. Oh. How many members did that band have? Well, come on, Crow. That's easy. They were a quartet: Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds. <laughs> really? I always thought they were a duo: Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds. <laughs> no, you guys, it was a trio: Hamilton, Joe, Frank. And Reynolds. Wait! They were a quintet! How do you figure that? Well, Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds. But maybe if Ann Reynolds is one person, <gasps> Tom, that would lead us all right back to the whole trio theory. <laughs> well, with names like that, why the heck did they even name the band after themselves? <laughs> Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds does not exactly roll off the tongue like Dino, Desi, and Billy. Joel, do you think we'll ever find the answer to the Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds mystery? Well, who can answer, my young friends? Who can really answer? Well, Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds. No! Oh, my God! 
Well, there you go. See, I'm not alone. I no. don't understand this band name at all. And then they disappeared, by the way, after this song. Yeah, by the way, th- that got me even more confused because Frank Reynolds is the name of, of the character that Danny DeVito plays on Sunny in Philadelphia. It's, it's just a yeah. mess. Yeah. Just a mess. Yeah. Well, I don't know what happened to these guys. I don't know where they are. I don't know why Tom Reynolds left. I don't know who replaced him, but this band name has just got me perplexed and I don't want to think about them ever again. It's a deal. It's a deal. And the promise. It's a promise. It's a past tense promise. You won't hear from them again. Yeah. And I don't like this song. So let's move on. Okay. Here we go. Back in the show. Number four. We're still mellow, but come on. Yeah. When I think of those East End lights, muggy nights, the curtains drawn in the little all right well it's going to take us a little while to get to the chorus but we'll get there this is the one and only legendary mr sir elton john i should say not mr he's a sir right sir elton john for sure Sir elton john with someone save my life tonight peaks here at number four (laughs) we've talked about him a couple times before this is one of 32 top 10 hits yeah yeah yep i don't even know how to comprehend that it's amazing what's interesting about this as a single the song's almost seven minutes long, and the record company begged him to shorten it, but he wouldn't do it. So mm. they had to release the whole thing. Is this the chorus? Sugar Bear. What does it say? Sugar Bell? Sugar Bell? What does it say? Sugar Bear. It refers oh, actually okay. to a friend of his, but I like to think of you as kind of a sugar bear, Dave. <laughs> Thanks, honey. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. I like what well, we're th- joking. I like, here. I like to think you as, as a lovable lemur. No, I don't know. Go ahead. Isn't a sugar bear kind of like a gummy bear? Is that what do you? Is this song about gummy bears? It is. It's about edibles. No, it's it's actually about a suicide attempt by Elton John, which is terrible. Right? I, was, I, was just, so apparently, I, was, I was just about to say it's about Winnie the Pooh. Now I have a picture of Winnie the Pooh trying to kill himself. Thanks a lot. Well, and now I'm going to put an even more interesting right. visual in there. In seventy, so Elton John was engaged. But to a woman, he was engaged to a woman, right. didn't want to marry her for obvious reasons yes. now, right? So he stuck his head in an oven at home. Oh, and boy. apparently, I think uh, lyricist Bernie Toppin apparently found him. But Elton was dumb enough to actually have left the window open. So if you're sticking your head in an oven, <laughs> but the window's open, you're probably not going to get the desired effect out of the whole thing. That right. sounds like that sounds like Paula Poundstone's bit about trying to commit suicide by... Uh, you know, turning the car on, except she's in a huge parking garage, like a, 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 a like multi-car parking garage. So it takes a long yeah, time. Yeah, so she has yeah. to bring snacks down. But wait a minute. Can I just ask you a question? What Rocket, yeah. Rocket Man, the, the movie, did not depict that suicide attempt, did it? No. And I don't think it even really mentions this girlfriend. I huh. think there's a... Oh, I might be mixing that up with Bohemian Rhapsody. Maybe it did. <laughs> I don't know. I well, mean, no, they, Elton yeah. John did marry a woman but a different woman in 1984 I see. and then got divorced in 1988 and is now married to David Furnish. Now very, very happy, but right. this actually, but I'm going to bring it full circle to modern times. It's kind of nice. Ready? Mm-hmm. So the one that this song was, a, that he was engaged to the one that this was about is now working at a doctor's office somewhere in Texas. And when her hours were cut because of COVID mm. and she needed to have some kind of surgery, Elton John found out about it, swooped in, and paid for her. Come on now. How about that? How about Elton? Saved her life that night. 
Talk about appropriate. Yeah, it, might have been, right. it was really probably something optional like knee surgery, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. The point it was, is... It was breast enhancement surgery. <laughs> Someone <laughs> saved my boobs tonight. Sorry. <laughs> anyway. What a guy. Yeah. What a guy. Right. Now, in terms of this song, I think this is a, a, a very powerful song. Not one I would have necessarily expected to be a hit even a top 10 hit, right. let alone a number four hit, yep. because it is very slow, right? It's a slow build. Mm-hmm. But as Elton John's go, songs go, it's one of the more powerful ones, I think. I've always loved it. It, I like it, but I, I just, I must admit in being a, I like Elton John. I, I think I like him a lot, but I'm not an Elton John fanatic. If you ask me to write down 20 Elton John songs, I could probably come up with 20. I don't think I would necessarily this one would be top of mind i'm not sure why well this one it doesn't rock right to be in a right frame of mind to hear it like you have to be you know you're driving that car and this comes on the radio really depends if you're like hitting the highway hard yeah or if you're feeling a little like downtrodden you need to pick me up whatever well it's funny you say that because it's funny you say that because my my sort of go-to like lovable song playlist has funeral for a friend on it uh, which which uh, and i always it always comes up and i go nah not in the mood you got to be a little melancholy to hear that one and, and this one too i think i i think you're right but i do think it's a great song yeah okay. i do so, there you go there you go all right that's it we're not going to do all seven minutes of this but thank you elton <laughs> appreciate it thanks for saving her boobs let's get back to the machine <laughs> okay Number three. In the corner of the bar there stands a jukebox With the best of country music, old and new Oh boy. Anything, Dave? I got a couple things. Never heard of it. What the fuck were we thinking? Oh, okay. All right, we're putting it all on the line there, right? Yep. You, you, uh, you, you tipped me off, I admit, to our listeners that the this song would get the the double well, dr- do you, dreaded do you know pox. Do you know this? No, do not. You know, it's Look, funny. It, I, I When I saw the title, Please, Mr. Please, I thought, oh, I probably know that. It's got a ring to it, but it's probably because of Beatles songs that sound the same or maybe Please Mr. Postman or whatever. I don't know what right. this shit is. <laughs> I think this is the chorus. Okay. Please, Mr. Please, don't play B-17. And this is amazing. This is a number three song by none other than Olivia Newton-John. Yes, it's called Please, Mr. Please. Right. And I don't think I've ever heard of it. But this is, we talked about this once before with her. This was part of her early career as a country singer. Okay? Right, this right, her, right, right. Her fifth top 10 hit. Um, it was from an album called Have You Never Been Mellow, which was also a hit in and of mm-hmm. itself. But this whole country phase of hers, I just never hear or heard or particularly want to hear. Yeah, we <laughs> we covered it on a prior pod, but the, the whole thing was surprising to me. I didn't even know. I mean, you know, I in 1977, I pretty much got introduced to her with the movie Grease. And- well, that was the thing. So here's the deal. We talked about this last time that the country music community absolutely hated her. And there was this big revolt when right. she won Singer of the Year. I think it might have been this year or the year after, whatever it may be. Uh, I think it was the year before. But regardless, um, 
she didn't crack the top 10 after this song for another five years. Mm -hmm. And so she completely faded and disappeared because the country thing no longer was working for her. Then she converted to pop, starred in Greece, and it took her off on a totally different tangent. This I didn't know about her, by the way. In 1974, she finished fourth in the Eurovision Song Contest. Oh, there's that terrible movie on Netflix now with Will Ferrell. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love, yeah, we both watched it. I would love to recommend it to everyone, but I know it couldn't be more (laughs) discouraging. It was a missed opportunity, but yeah, it's a real thing. Obviously, it's a real thing. And she finished funny. Guess who she lost to? Guess who won that year? ABBA. ABBA. Really? I mean, yes. ABBA with Waterloo. It was obviously, I think, established musicians used to occasionally play in that. It was like almost like the Olympics in a weird way. But yeah, yeah, it's hard to believe that that was. And it still is a thing. I'm proud of myself for coming up with that. But uh, on the list of Scandinavian like musical legends, there aren't too many. So I think ABBA was (laughs) the only guess. Yeah, nicely done. Nicely done. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, Olivia is battling breast cancer for the third time, having a, a rough time with it now. Apparently. She uses cannabis to help ease her pain. Sure. And her daughter even owns a cannabis farm. And I think mm-hmm. she's even married to a alternative medicine therapy dude. So she's got it taken care of. How about if that? You need, if you need a dash, or stash rather, mm-hmm. call Olivia. She'll take care of you. Use the code word, please, Mr. Please. <laughs> get all the weed you want. Fair? And check for the future Netflix documentary series, The Weed Saved Olivia's Boobs. I think, uh, you know, that's terrible. Why? Stop it. I'm, it's uplifting boobs on this episode. Anyway, never song, enough. Yeah, <laughs> not enough. Not enough. But, you know, that song, I've definitely heard enough. Do you agree? Yeah, that's why I turned it off. Yeah, that's yep. enough of that. OK, let's get back to the machine. OK. Number two. Better. Oh, yeah. Nice. Mm. Yes. Yes. One of these nights by the Eagles. Actually, just Eagles. We keep doing that. It's Eagles. It is not the Eagles. No. Yeah. I keep doing it. You catch me. Nobody cares. We talked about Steve Martin before. (laughs) I think I read somewhere that Steve Martin tried to convince them to call themselves the Eagles. Right. They wouldn't do it. Like Glenn Fry just said, we're Eagles. That's it. It's all. Well, I've said this before in one of my favorite music movies, The Commitments. They're trying to come up with the name, and the, the, the band leader says, you know, all the great bands are the somethings, and I agree with him. You should be the Without somethings. Facebook. <laughs> anyway, this was one of top, uh, well, 10 old, top old, pe- old people call it the Facebook. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, after, they watch the, after they watch the Seinfeld, they get on the Facebook. <laughs> yep. Using that internet these days? <laughs> right. Anyway. One of top, uh, 10 top 10 hits for the Eagles. This uh, is number two here, but becomes their second one to hit number one. They mm-hmm. had five number ones total. So this is a number one song. Ends up finishing 1975 as the number nine song of the, of the year. And really, this is a major, major turning point for the Eagles. Eagles, mm-hmm. whatever you want to say. Right. This was the album that blew them up. They had really been more of a country rock Band, right they had the first number one song was that song best of my love mm. they had sort of easygoing country folk peaceful easy feeling hits and things like that yeah, yeah. But glenn fry who was from detroit we talked about before he wanted to rock so what they do is they go out and hire guitarist don felder he was new to the band he joins the band for this song 
and he decides to make this more of a harder rock guitar sound. He was the one that created that bass line at the beginning of this. Yep. And they start building the song around it. Ironically, it's got more of a soul and kind of disco feeling to it. Yeah, right? yeah. I, mean, this I mentioned this once. Rock song. Right. This was not not quite the height of disco 1975, would you say? It was, I'd probably say like 1978, but it's close. Anyway, oh, oh, yeah. point, no, point, this point being... Doing its emergence. Yeah, we've talked we talked about how certain bands tilted into disco. I remember seeing an Eagles cover uh, tribute band, which was, I forget what they were called, but they were very good. And it's funny, the lead singer was, he was like taking us on a journey. He was like, you know, the Eagles do country. And he played something that was much, much pure country. Then he's like, and the Eagles rock out in Life in the Fast Lane. And then he said, and the Eagles do disco. And I was like, what? They don't have a disco song. Yeah, and he played it, but you could, it's disco-ish. Like you can you can hear the, like that's, that's disco. Well, you know what's funny is when they were recording this song, Apparently, the Bee Gees were in the same studio. Really? So maybe there was a little bit of a something going on there. Maybe they heard something. Glenn Fry says two things. One, listen, hold on, listen, listening. listen. Oh, look at that falsetto. That's that's actually when Barry Gibbs snuck into the studio and sang a few lines. <laughs> Don Henley actually says that he had trouble singing this live in concert because he couldn't always get his falsetto to work that way. Yep. But anyway, Glenn Fry was listening to a lot of Al Green and Spinner songs and things like that. And he is also, he said, this was before he passed away, this was his favorite Eagles song. Really? Now, I, I think this is a great song. I don't count this anywhere near my favorite Eagles song. But Same. maybe because it represented something to the band. It yep. represented change, what the, the harder sound that he wanted. But yeah, this is as close as they ever did to a disco song. Let me... Disco, let me- Let's, sorry, Mel. Oh, you finish. Finish the disco thought. Go. No, no, no. Okay. Disco was just, I mean, was just starting to emerge, but hadn't completely blown up. I, Not yet. I just want to go back for a minute to, if the, is this Henley screeching at the end? Because it, it never occurred to me how how severe the screech is. Listen. Here it comes. <laughs> that's it. That breaks, that's that's break glasses, that thing. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. There's no way he's hitting that after like two whiskeys in concert and stuff like that. The voice isn't. I, right. you know, one of the. Ah! <laughs> one of the. And that's how he died singing. One of the, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. Right. Yeah. Um, good tune, though. Good tune. And you do still yeah. hear it. Right. No, I and agree. It, I, li- I like it. And I like it's sort of contrast in the rest of the Eagles library. Like when you're totally. listening to the greatest hits, it's like, yeah, now there's this. And it's it, I like it. I do. And so many big hits. The reason why were they big hits where they were able to cross over into multiple genres. This this got played on rock radio, got played on pop radio. You could see it being played in a sort of soulful disco setting. It kind of worked across channels. Sure. And it worked. Right. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Countdown. I think we've reached the end. Now, this it's been a strange week in music, right? We've had some crazy mellow vibes. We've had some strange country vibes, right? We've had mm-hmm. some, you know, soulful rides, but I don't know what number one's going to hold, man. Mm. Let's find out what tops the charts. Let's do it. Number one. Is killing me. Did someone say disco? <laughs> Hell yeah. Jenna, 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 
now. This is a big moment in music history happening right now. Yep. And I'll tell you why. First of all, anybody who tries to claim that disco music is not rock and roll, all you need to do is play them this song, especially that opening that we heard before. This is rock and roll, right? It's Mm -hmm. just a new form that came out right around this time. I I agree. I always thought, I mean, we were only seven years old at this point, but I remember when people started some of their hardcore rock. Listen to this part, by the way. That's not necessarily yeah, rock funny. and roll. But that's almost <laughs> the chorus, right? Because there is no chorus per se yeah. in this song. I mean, there is, but... I just like the way that sounds. Anyways, my point yeah. was, I never saw what the big deal was when people were like, Disco sucks, Disco sucks. Yeah, it was different, but, it, you know, you could groove to it. You could dance to it. It, it still was... I, I don't know. I didn't see... I never saw what that big deal was. But here's why this is such a big deal. Now, first of all, let's talk about the Bee Gees for a minute, right? They're this hugely successful folk band you know in the late 60s maybe a little bit into the early 70s so this is a similar story to some other people that we talked about here but they hadn't had a hit for years something like four years now Mm -hmm. this was they had had four top 10 hits before this right 15 total in their career but suddenly they realized you know what our sound's not working anymore they moved to miami they get a new producer who convinces them you know what let's modernize your sound while they were driving over the Julia Tuttle Causeway from Biscayne Bay to Miami, mm. the sound of the bridge starts making the beat. Come on. Is shown at the beat. That's exactly right. And they're all in the car and they say, huh, this actually sounds like something. And they wrote a song that was originally called, get this, Drive Talking. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's the derivation of the song, right? And it gave them the rhythm of the song. They then go back to the producer who suggests that they change the name from Drive Talking to Jive Talking, which are like, great. So they write the song, not realizing that Jive Talking, they thought Jive Talking meant dancing with your eyes open or something like that. No way. And the guy had to say to him, no, no, no. Jive Talking is like bullshitting. You know, it's like slang for bullshitting. But they had no idea, so they had to rewrite the lyrics. Well, that's first of all, that's amazing. And if someone had just uh, tightened the screws on that bridge a little bit, we might not have disco. So what the hell? Well, and this is the funny thing. So it's not the first disco song, right? But this is the song that made BG's sort of disco gods. They almost perfected it. But the label was worried that if we say the BGs do this song, nobody's even going to listen to it because, you know, they're these old, like mellow folk people, right? Mm-hmm. So they mailed the album and the single to DJs in a plain white envelope without identifying who the band was. Hmm. And people were so intrigued, they took it out, put it on the record, said, wow, this is great. Only later finding out that it was the Bee Gees. They all would assume, hopefully, that uh, DJs would think it was a sort of black disco band that was just sort of emerging, like the Commodores or something like that. It's the Instead, same It's the same trick Same tri- the same trick that Spinal Tap later pulled with the Smell the Glove album, just making it all black. So Brilliant, you know, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Blacker than black. Right. Yes. None more. And by the way, there's a there's a synth bass on this song that you hear, which is just like Stevie Wonder used to use. So Stevie and the mm-hmm. Bee Gees working together to make synth bass a thing. I love it. Yeah. I absolutely. Love it. Yeah. You were doing I, superstition there, I think. Yeah, sort of a little bit. And this song. No, you were doing. No, that's I, I wish. wish. I wish. Yeah. Don't. My favorite yeah. Stevie song. I know. Right. I know. Anyway, we'll go through that someday. Okay. Anyway massively influential song. And I think it not only does it change the course of the Bee Gees career, which then leads them into Saturday Night Fever two albums later. And this was actually on the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack also. 
Right, but, but like you said, written before. Because by the right. time they got to the soundtrack, now they've got this murderer's row of disco songs, Night Fever, Staying Alive, etc. And then the soundtrack takes them into just a complete stratosphere. Right. 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 And look, I think this is a great example of rock and roll sort of progressing, right? And yeah. the Bee Gees deserve to be credited for that. Yeah, they stole disco. You know, they were sort of the classic white man taking a a, a, a black man's music and turning it into a pop sheen. But they kind of perfected it. Yeah. And, and the, well, no, no, they did. I mean, they there's a Bee Gees type of song. Like if, if you know, you're goofing around in an improv comedy troupe and they say okay perform a bg's type of song everybody knows what that means it's it's a thing i wondered whether you said you know they accused of stealing you know the the black man's music they kind of stole the black man's expression on this on this song well, and i wonder and now you explained it so it, it it's it was done innocently apparently 100%. I just went and glanced at the lyrics and there's nothing racial about it because of no. course we probably both think of the scene in the farcical movie airplane where it's like excuse me I speak jive right and it's a whole thing you know so anyway now one thing I want you to play before we uh we move out right yep there was a remake of this song made in 1987 by a band called boogie box high but mm-hmm. I want you to play it and I want you to guess who the vocalist is okay, oh. okay. 1987 remake Takes a minute to get to the vocalist, right? But All listen right. out. I am listening. It's kind of hard when you're talking like that. What do you think? I like it. Who what's, is it? What's the question? Oh, who's singing who's this? The vocalist. Oh, um, hold on. Oh, damn it. It's so familiar. First, I want to say Michael Jackson, but it's not him. It, oh, you're close. It's, it's a Jackson? Is it? No, it's a Michael. Oh, Michael Bolton. Michael. <laughs> this is none other than George Michael. Oh, I knew it sounded familiar. Right? So yeah. George Michael apparently was the cousin of the guy who ran Boogie Box High, and he wow. asked him to make a guest appearance on it. It's totally him. I was wondering totally. why, why I like it, and I like George Michael. I, I forget about him sometimes. Uh, and this was 87 this was like yeah that's a good one yeah that is a good one i was impressed to find that but Mm -hmm. anyway great number one hit but dave that brings us to a close on the countdown why don't you give us a recap of the top 10 yes milt of course for the week ending august 16th 1975 the top five were number 10 the rockford files by mike post number nine midnight blue melissa manchester number eight how sweet it is parentheses to be loved by you james taylor number seven why can't we be friends war number six rhinestone cowboy glenn campbell number five falling in love by hamilton joe franken reynolds number four somebody saved my life tonight elton john number three please mr please olivia newton john number two one of these nights by eagles and the number one song for the week ending august 16th 1975 jive talking by the Bee Gees. nicely done Thank but you. before we move on oh. i want to play one more thing because this is a top 10 hit is a coming yeah. Um, in the weeks to follow, you may remember a song. And the reason I want to play this is because that song uses almost this entire countdown to make up the song. Do you remember Mr. Dickie Goodman's Mr. Jaws? This is brilliant. I mean, it's almost as if he looked at this chart. We are here on the chart. beach where a giant shark has just eaten a girl's swimmer. Well, Mr. Jaws, you remember how this, was right? It? Of course, yeah. Oh, 
And now what did you say now. when you grabbed her? Please, Mr. Please. There's one. Yeah. I know sharks are stupid, but what did you think when you took that first bite? How sweet it is. Mr. And there's two. Before you swim out to sea, have you anything else to say? And there's three. <laughs> yep. With me now is the local sheriff. Sheriff Brody, the shark will be back for lunch. What do you intend to do? Didn't you play this in I your preamble? Up, yeah. Just yeah. arriving is oceanographer Matt Hooper. Sir, if someone is attacked by a shark, what should they do? We are going aboard the <laughs> fishing one. boat of yeah. Captain Quint. Captain, will you be able to catch this giant shark? I no, Thank not you, that Captain. one. We mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Captain, Captain, when you catch one of these sharks, what do you feel like? Like a rhinestone. No. Oh, just sighted the shark again. He's coming straight for us. Captain Quint is shouting something at him. Get your baby one Number five. Hey, the captain says he's going to catch you. What do you think of that? Uh-oh, and number here six. Here he comes again. I think that's it. No. I think that's all they the... They hit him. Mr. Jaws, why doesn't anything seem to hurt you? Did we hear that from... That actually was a hit that we... Oh, no, wait. There's one more. There's right. more. Right. Mr. Jaws, why are you grabbing my hand? Wouldn't you give your hand? There she is. Yes. Good job, Dickie Goodman. Am I correct? Seven Amazing. of the songs in this countdown were in that song. And you're totally right. I only knew that Melissa Manchester song because of that. And that is probably the most clever use of one of the songs in this farcical par- this parody thing, right? Like, <laughs> why are you grabbing my hand, Mr. Jaws? Wouldn't you give your hand to a friend? You Don't know? you remember, as a seven-year-old, I thought that song was brilliant. Oh, my and God. now you listen to Genius. it. Genius so stupid it's first of all the the concept is silly but the now that you're right now that i listen to it the execution is like amateurish like you and i could do a better one right now you know yeah yeah anyway at the time as my seven-year-old self or whatever was just (laughs) did you hear that have you heard how they put the songs into the other song yeah yeah right right, right. anyway let's move on to the categories dave let's name ourselves a winner of the week Okay, now let's look at the top 10 songs of the week, decide which ones hold up the best, and becomes our winner of the week. Dave, do you want to take the uh, the honors on this? Yeah, sure. I'll go first. I think my answer might surprise you. Mm. I am looking at, there are, this is a weird week, but there are a few good, solid candidates. I'm actually going to go with Mr. Glenn Campbell, Rhinestone Cowboy. I just think, okay. it's, I think it's the most memorable. It's not necessarily the song I want to listen to all the time, but... It brings back great memories. It's just what it should be. It's Glenn Campbell wearing a hat and singing about being a cowboy, and it's you know it's probably the best cowboy song ever. You know. Yeah, you know it went. I think it went through its ups and downs, right? This song yeah. would have been embarrassing maybe ten years ago, but I think it's had a resurgence because we respect its place, and therefore I understand why it could be at the top of your charts. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. a similar way, though, I'm going with BGS. I mean, I figured other, slightly penalized for the use of the word jive doesn't quite hold up quite as well. But this song is important. It still rocks. I think it's dynamite. That's my winner of the week. Fair enough? Yeah, two good choices, I think. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, let's bring in the referee then. All right. That's right, Dave. It's time for the substitution. Our chance to write the musical wrong. We're going to kick out one song that we do not believe belongs in the top 10. Replace it with a song that was featured on the top 100 this week, but never makes the top 10. Like I said, write the musical wrong. I'm going to give you the honors again, Dave. Who are you booting out? I will knock out Melissa Manchester. You're gone. Hmm. I don't care how blue your midnight is. And um, 
Yeah, just sappy, useless to me. Okay. Fair enough. What are you replacing it with? This is, I'm excited about this one. I'm replacing it with this song, which never made the top 10. Oh. Southern Fried Rock. Well, you get it. Um, it's a great song. Unmistakable. Top we've brought, this is our second ZZ Top substitution. They In this early, like, gritty rock stage, they right. they didn't crack the top ten. It was only later when they did. But this is their, to me, this is their Anth- anthem, you think, of this era. They, they had a different 80s run with Sharp Dressed Man and Legs and all that. Right. Anyways, that's me. And uh, excellent so, choice. Excellent you. choice. Your turn. Now, as much as I want to boot out Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds just for the <laughs> stupidity of their name, the the Olivia Newton John song is she's so cute. She's adorable. Love her to death. But that song is just so invisible to me. I'm yep. I'm bouncing it right. All right. And I want to replace it with a little soul. Now we talked about disco before. In the past, we had talked about the Pointer Sisters, and we sort of mentioned a little bit how we thought they were underrated. Mm. They had a song that was in the top 100 this weekend, also peaked at number 20, just like Tush, that I don't think people have heard of. And I just want to throw them a little credit. Dave, will you play for me? How long? Bet you got a chick on the side. Mm. I mean, that is the... Bring up the funk, yeah. This was a disco precursor for sure. Uh, uh. Oh man, it's so you good. know some and, of that. Some and of when that... they start singing the uh, the actual lyrics, it just it's it's a great tune that somehow has gotten lost. I think so. I wanted to rebring it back. Yeah, I haven't. Stuff. I frankly don't remember the song I, I dig it and it's funny how it you know somehow you're squarely in, in 1975 there there are there have been weeks that we've explored where we say there's no identity here there's a little bit of this a little bit of that man did this list not have identity because when i heard that little whirring sound of the synth like it actually reminded me a little bit of where we started the rockford files theme. Yes. It has a little bit of that and so there you go you got one of the top tv shows going on with that theme and you got songs like this on the radio it's that was that was are the you mid-70s. hearing her sing right now is she singing <laughs> It's just, I love this song. Go listen to the whole thing. There's a seven minute version that's great. So just take your time, listen to it, and enjoy. You know, the Pointer Good Sisters, the Pointer Sisters could exist if they were happened to be in their prime right now, they would be just fine. Some of the, the ways that they sort of scat and sing sounds like who's the rapper with the huge butt? Uh, uh, you know, uh, the, oh, uh, the uh, uh, Cardi B. No, Cardi B is one, but what's... Oh, my God. Um, I, I have Nicki Minaj. Jesus oh, Christ! Nikki. Okay, good one. <sighs> I'm okay. What about her? She's the one who's got the big... I'm saying that the, that style of sort of combination hip-hop singer-rapper... Oh, yeah. I can hear that. Pointer Sisters I can hear would that. Right I guarantee you the Pointer Sisters influenced that generation. No doubt about it, I think. Right. Anyway... Good substitutions this week. Appreciate it, Dave. That brings us to the final of our countdown. Yes. We have our new letter grades, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You take a look and you tell me, rate the week. Was it a time machine worthy week? And give it the rating. Okay. What, where are we? What are what are our choices again? We got Aerosmith. Right. Aero, the the scale is is goes A through F. Uh, Aerosmith 
we got Bee Gees, we got Carpenters, we got the damn Yankees, and then for the worst of all, we've got Falco. Right. right. Okay. So where are we? So with this week, I'm going to go. I, I'm in a generous mood. No, not that generous. I'm going. I'm going Carpenters plus. They mm. get a, they get a C plus from me. So, it, pass, you, so it passes. Would... It's worthy, but meh. Carpenters plus maybe if you're generous at BG's minus. We ended yep. strong. One of these True. nights in jive talking was a solid one-two punch at the end of that. Yeah. There's some Drek in here though. There's a Agreed. little too much Drek. Manchester, Olivia, Hamilton, Joe Frank. Those songs <laughs> just don't do it for me in any way, shape, or form. That pushes it down. Redeemed by the Rockford Files, redeemed by the Bee Gees, but overall, I think a Carpenter's Plus week is in order. Yeah, we're not going to flunk it. We're not going to Falco it. But, but uh, yeah, mm. N- nevertheless, fun. And and, and, I, and I love how Mr. Jaws ties it all together. <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> he had other songs like that, too. I, I don't remember what they were. He had a yeah. bunch, and a yeah. couple of them were hits. Not yeah. None as big as that one, though. And it right. was just like he just picked up his billboard and was like, this one, this one, this one. Yeah. Anyway. Dave, always good to share this journey with you. Absolutely. Um, Hope you enjoyed it again. To our listeners, again, please leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. We love them. We usually have guests on the pod. We didn't do it this week just because of the uh, distance and stuff like that, but we will be getting back to that. So reach out to us. You can either email us at top10timemachine at gmail.com. That's top10, T-E-N, timemachine at gmail.com. Or just give us your email address at timemachinepod.com. We'll reach out to you. We'll set something up. I'm telling you, we're in touch. We want to hear from you. We will get back to you. That's right, man. And uh, thanks to our producer, pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network, where I'm sitting right now. If you want your own podcast, go to that website. And thanks for listening to Past Tens. I dig it, Milt. I know you dig it. Keep it up. And yes, as Milt said, you could be a, a podcast star and be right on our show and be talking tunes with us. And share this. Did we already say that? Share this with a friend. What the hell? Throw us a bone. And Milt, in conclusion, I'd just like to say, you're my rhinestone cowboy. Can we just be friends, though? <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. And then we talk, we talk, we talk, we, we try to talk. I can clean that up. And then we... T- shut up. <laughs>